I want to talk about how to fall out of love. And this one might be a little, so it might be a little spicy. Yeah, a little spicy because I know that the the sort of more desperate, please choose me women will probably not be happy with the idea of an episode called How to Fall Out of Love because that just sounds so negative and oh my God, see, I told you this girl is just so mean and she hates, she hates true love. Something must have happened to her. How can someone be so jaded? Maybe it's just the men that you're meeting. Maybe if you would just stop being so negative, then maybe your perspective would be more positive. (laughs) And that usually comes from the people who struggle to face reality, which is a very important cornerstone theme here in our conversation about how to fall out of love step one embrace reality yes facing reality means embracing reality for what it is and not feeding yourself alternative narratives that support an idea that isn't benefiting you Especially when that idea that isn't benefiting you is the idea that this man is just in love with you and his love for you is so overwhelming for him that he just cannot talk to you properly and his love for you is so deep and potent that he can't text you back because his brain is overcrowded with all of the emotions and the hormones that he feels for you and that's why he ghosts you because in those times when he ghosts you he's deeply coping with the psychological overwhelm of how amazing you are which is why when you text him he doesn't text back because he's too busy fighting off the romantic telepathic brain waves that you're firing his way and if you would just give him a break and allow him some breathing space to process the love he deeply feels for you, then maybe he'll be able to show up better. And that is why when he ghosts you, you tolerate it and you tell yourself that he's just having a hard time. He's just got a lot going on. And the feelings he has for you are so big and scary for him, which is why he's ghosted you for two weeks and you're dying for him to text you. And once he texts you, you're going to get this endorphin rush. And all of the doubts you developed about yourself in his absence will dissipate because he's back. And you knew it because true love always returns. Just like how when you throw a boomerang, it comes back to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really what you lot be doing. <laughs> I'm not judging though. I hear it. I hear it. But um, yeah, some of you need to fall out of love. I'm not going to lie. Because that that love that you're loving is not benefiting you. And you've got time. Listen, we are in the sunrise of 2024. Okay. The sun ain't even at the midpoint of the sky yet. You've still got time to change it up. You've still got time 
to completely revamp and transform your approach to how you manoeuvre your intimate relations with men. And I think knowing how to fall out of love will teach you better, more sustainable ways to fall in love. So, how do you fall out of love? We briefly touched on embracing reality and facing reality for what it is. Well, what does embracing and facing reality mean? Embracing and facing reality starts with acknowledging that if this man loved you, you wouldn't feel like this. The this I speak of, the this I'm making reference to is the emotional gray area that you often find yourself in. And it usually happens in the cycle of you've had a good three-day bender with him, you know, three days of consecutive good times, three days of constant attention from him, three days long enough for you to feel like, oh, there was never anything wrong with our partnership. He was just having a hard time. But now he's all mine because... For the past three days, there has been a consistent dollop of him giving me all his attention. So we are in the good place. And then what happens at the three-day mark? He disappears. Or energetically, something changes. Enough for you to pick up on it and start to feel this need to question what's wrong. Did I do something to upset you? Why haven't I heard from him? I texted him this morning and it's now 5pm and I still haven't heard back but he posted some things on his Snapchat so he's obviously alive. Why hasn't he replied to my text? And then that goes on for another four or five days where you feel like you're playing cat and mouse of a grown man and then on the five day mark he comes out of nowhere with a really tardy excuse Something along the lines of, oh, I just had a lot going on. Sorry about that. And because you were so desperate and you got so scared when you didn't hear from him, you made excuses for him, excuses to forgive him. And so here you are being dragged along in this tide that you did not create. And in this tide is all the clutter and junk and rubbish that this man has fed you to keep you along. And a man can only drag you along as far as you're willing to follow him. Do you get? So when I say a man can only drag you along as far as you're willing to follow him, what that means is if a man is dragging his feet in your life, i.e. he is blowing hot and cold, He is giving you mixed impressions and mixed messages. He is presenting intensity one day and then indifference the next day. You are being dragged along. You're being dragged along and you tolerate that because you tell yourself, that he's he's got a lot going on. The past two years now, I think the past two years has been sort of the entry point of the recession. 
sorry, I've got a lot going on is everybody's excuse right now. And that's fine. I'm not against that. My thing is, if a man has constantly got a lot going on, he's not in a place where he can afford to date. He cannot afford it time-wise and he probably cannot afford it financially. So when he's telling you, sorry, I got a lot going on, he's trying to buy himself time of yours to waste. Because he didn't have a lot going on when he was scuba diving inside your pussy, did he? No, he didn't. Right then. So what does that tell you? It tells you that his availability is at his convenience. And because you're in love, because you're in, but I'm in, but I'm in love. Which one is, but I'm in love? Oh my God. This is why, look, I may not have everything I want in my life yet. But one thing I do have is the discernment and the intelligence and the confidence to not be swindled by love. And what I mean by being swindled by love is it really be your own brain. It really be your own emotions that will turn you like this. You be that person, be like, but I'm in love. Okay, but like you can also not be in love. Because one day you didn't know who that man was. And your life was relatively normal. Or at least your life was in a place where you could account for where everything was coming from. You could account for where certain emotions were coming from. You had a sense of stability enough to know who you were and what works for you. And then this man came into your life and has invited you into a realm of disarray. And now you insist that you're in love. And because you're in love, you can't leave. Yikes. Yeah, This is why I'm not big on the whole love thing as a justification for making certain decisions especially when those decisions are to your detriment I worry about but I'm in love because when the word but is in front of I'm in love it implies that there is something negative that you are overlooking because of the love so what would have happened if you were not in love that's what I'm curious about if you were not in love would you have left sooner would you have kept your money and not given it to that man who has gambled it or given it to another woman or has spent it on drugs if you were not in love would you have separated yourself from him sooner based on the unfortunate reality that this man is just ghosting you in and out and is blowing hot and cold with you. Because I feel like the I'm in love thing, is you, it, it's in your head. This is the one time where I'm going to sound like that person who gaslights you by being like, oh, it's not real, it's in your head. But I promise you, this one time, you know how they say a broken clock is right twice a day? This is that. This is This is the second time out of the day that that broken gaslighting clock happens to be right. I'm not going to lie. The broken clock kind of made points when the broken clock said that it's in your head. That I'm in love thing. That's in your head, babe. You made up reasons to be in love with him. So if you are resonating with that, you need to write a pros and cons list. Yes, you do. Because that's what's going to help you rationalize this love that you're feeling. And that's what's going to empower you to make a decision on whether you should stay or leave. But before we talk about what to include or how to maneuver writing that list. I want to talk to you about my Patreon. If you're not familiar, 
I have a Patreon page. If you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is a platform where creators like myself can share exclusive content that is behind a paywall for people who are my close people, them. I like to call you lot my disobedience deviants. And that's why the singular only Patreon tier I have is called the disobedient deviants. Yes. And over at the disobedient deviants, we have all sorts of fun that isn't available on the main grid of my Instagram or on the main feed of my podcast, wherever you source my podcast from, because some things just aren't meant for everyone to hear. And I consider myself someone that puts a lot of things out there for the betterment of women. And this isn't from a self-righteous place. It's genuinely from a place of like, look, guys, <laughs> I know some things that can help us out here. But in as much as I'm OK with men seeing it because they're not smart enough to override it. They don't need to know everything. So over on the Patreon, one of the things I've got on there that I'm really proud of is my 65 page guide called the Dilemma Manual. It is a PDF guide that will encourage you to make wiser decisions if you are in a place of, should I leave? Should I stay? Should I take mine? Should I go? What should I do? How do I handle this guy? I've had people send me anonymized dilemmas and I have shared in long essay form my outlook on their situation and what I would do if I was them. I also answer your questions that you may have via what I call the very fire group chats. There is a there is a group chat in my Patreon, yeah, a private group chat that within the Patreon app that is constantly going off. I try to not interfere, like I always say. I just I try to just leave you lot to it because <laughs> it's so sick. Like sometimes I see someone ask a question, and then I want to type my answer, and then I scroll down a bit, and I see someone's already answered it, and I'm like, oh my god, the girls are learning. The girls get it. The girls are just doing their thing, and that's great because it's a it's a condensed private community where I'm seeing people keep up with each other's growth, and it's so beautiful to witness. I'm just, yeah. You can also, over at my Patreon, experience the benefits of twice a month mini episodes. I consider those my baby thought streams. They're probably like 12 to 15 minutes long. And in those mini videos, I most times dive into topics that you guys have requested or something that I feel just requires some thoughts but isn't long enough to be a full-on episode and off the back of that you could also witness experience exclusive long-form episodes that I just think should not be on the main podcast grid because either I'm revealing too much or I just think that these gems are the vibranium of all the gems I hope you caught that Black Panther reference and I just cannot let the vibranium go like that. So <laughs> there are exclusive long form episodes available on the Patreon too, which I love those. Those are never going to go on the main podcast. Um, sorry to those who are trying to access that if you don't want to access the Patreon. There are also, for those who enjoy reading, some thought stream posts that I tend to upload where I might write mini essays and just upload them as a singular post. One of my most recent singular post long form essays was around New Year's when I was discussing when men come back out of nowhere and why they choose 
festive or celebratory or reflective periods of the year to make their return. And that post seemed to generate a lot of conversation because many people unfortunately resonated. (laughs) But it'd be like that, you know? Um, There are also downloadable PDF assets which you can access alongside the workshops that I've got on there. I'm really excited because I've got more workshops coming up for you guys who have loved the existing workshop on there. I just love it over on my Patreon. So if you're curious to join... It's patreon.com slash the slum flower. Now, onto this list of pros and cons that you should write when you want to fall out of love. First of all, I don't think this is hard in terms of writing this list because what I perceive to be the most difficult will just be mentally acknowledging things that you deem worthy enough to make it to the list especially if those are the negative things so the cons side of things so if you've written on your list your pros right and your pros are I don't know he he spoils me he makes me laugh he's a good listener sexy I I find him attractive we have sexual chemistry and then on the cons list you write down he ghosts or is flaky um sometimes I'm not really sure where I stand with him he mentions his ex quite a lot as of recent um he, d- he doesn't really seem like he wants to be in a committed relationship. I'm trying to think of one more con. A common con. A common negative trope in relationships with men. I mean, it could be as well that, like, he nuts too fast. <laughs> So if your list resembles anything like that and you're still insisting that you're in love, this is the part where you need to create what I like to call a focal point. This helps me a lot, right? Because I'm I'm more of a cerebral person. And when I say I'm more of a cerebral person, what that means is I am deeply intellectual and more psychological than emotional in how I approach situations once I've given myself the room to fully emotionally explore it. So what that means is, whilst I'm a very sensitive person who is emotional, I don't like to be emotionally reactive with men. I just think that gives them way too much power for no reason. Because you can still channel all the vim you want to convey into a more condensed controlled flame meaning let's say you're so hurt by the stacked compounded emotional residue that remains from all the times this guy ghosted you from all the times 
that you just felt very rejected from him from all the times where he made you feel doubt in the relationship you can go down one of two lanes you can go down the lane of being extremely emotional having a full-on buggy cry mental breakdown in front of him thinking you're going to appeal to his moral uh sensitivity when i don't exist inside men or you go down the route of being so hurt and disappointed by it and so embarrassed at how much you have let this man desecrate your temple <laughs> that you just one day cut him off cold, no contact ever again. But you need to have a focal point because if you choose to cut him off cold, no contact, clean, yeah, you're going to have days where you might develop this random amnesia. Because you know them ones, don't tell me you ain't felt that. You know them ones where you're holding out from talking to a guy, yeah? You've been ignoring him for time, <laughs> on purpose. And then day six comes and you're like, wait, why am I ignoring him again? I kind of miss him. <laughs> don't let that happen to you. That's why you need a focal point. If you have a focal point, that's your North Star. You can never stray from the North Star because the North Star is always going to be where it is in your sky. So if your North Star is... This man makes me feel like I'm not good enough. No matter how distracted you get, no matter how much you might miss him on a fucking Tuesday at 4pm, the reality is he doesn't value you. That's the, that's the focal point. When you recognise he doesn't value you, what feelings do you associate with that? Shame, embarrassment, guilt at you tolerating what you know you shouldn't be dealing with? Fear that... If you let this guy come close to you again, he's going to make you feel even worse than you feel. So all of that should be a motivator for you to stay focused on your North Star. Because if you don't have a North Star, if you don't have a focal point, then what happens is you intentionally stop talking to him because you're trying to hold out, because you're trying to put your foot down, because you're, you're trying to get yourself out of this. You're trying to, you're trying to begin your process of falling out of love you're trying to detach from him but because you have no focal point you develop the amnesia and you forget why you was not talking to him in the first place and then he throws you a chicken bone and you catch it and you're delighted to hear from him and then you become this person that's like oh I'm so forgiving and yeah maybe it wasn't that bad after all and maybe I was overreacting and the cycle continues the cycle continues so I've always said, right, when it comes to falling out of love, you need to be very okay with psychologically detaching before you physically detach. And what I mean by psychologically detaching before you physically detach is You don't say everything you're going to do. Like, if you want to if you wanna part ways with a guy, don't be announcing to him, well, I'm going to leave you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one day I'm going to leave you and you're not going to see me again and you're going to regret. You're going to regret not um, valuing me and appreciating me because, yeah, when I leave you, you're not going to have anyone to replace me. All that talk, just save it for the birds, babe. What you should do for maximum impact. Ooh, best served chilled. I would in in your in your position if I was you and I know that I want to leave 
instead of doing all of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you just slowly stop acknowledging him, especially if you live together. Hey, God. We will move on. We'll talk about marriage and living together. But let's say you're just dating. You slowly stop acknowledging him. You start going out more. Starts talking to more guys. If you have your things at his house, you 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 collect your things in the order of most important in a small bag. Because if you if you're packing a big suitcase, you'll give you uh, you're going to raise alarm. But if you have a little small unsuspecting bag. Your most important, most valuable things, take that first so that if worst comes to worst, your cover is blown. Worst comes to worst, he catches on it, you're trying to leave. Worst comes to worst, you just don't want to go back to that house again. Maybe your most important documents like your passport, your jewellery, you've got that. Because sometimes when you're leaving a situation, especially when it's involving living with someone else, you're not always able to take everything with you. So it really will have to be a thing where you prioritise taking your most important things first. If you're able to do a few trips, maybe each time you go over there, you organically take your tins, pack your tins, pack your tins, pack your tins slowly. And you don't give him any body language that will give him any suspicion. And then maybe when you've gotten all of the things that are most important to you, it could be that one day you just you just never return. Because, you know, sometimes you want to write your supervillain speech. You want to you wanna tell, yeah, you're not going to find me again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought I was an idiot. Yeah. Well, look now. I'm free now. Once in a while, that's satisfying. But I just think if you want the cleanest exit, you've got to disappear like a thief in the night. Now, if you're married to someone, that is long, babe. Because you're going to, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to cheat. You're not going to, this is not good. This is not good for me to say because people go, oh, you're promoting cheating. Yes, I am promoting. Yes, I'm promoting cheating. Yes, because the reality is, yeah, I just think that women are better cheaters than men because we know how to hide it. So it's about playing, playing the character he's already used to while you're still living with him. Because if you're married to him, especially if you're the breadwinner, oh my God, then you can't go anywhere in it because he's going to take half of all your things. And you can't be caught cheating. So you got to play it real slick. If I was you to not raise any suspicion, I would just be acting the same way that I've always acted with him. Because if he doesn't suspect anything has changed, there'll be no reason for him to look for any information. But you must you must give yourself the chance to, to, to be enticed by other men. Yes. And the way to do it in a way that's going to benefit you rather than getting something silly and messy is to... Cheat with a man who's got more money than the man that you've bound yourself to. So that you are in the direction of abundance, improved lifestyle, everything just stacked in your favour. So that worst, worst comes to worst and he finds out. Whether it's legal fees, whether it's, whether it's you still having way more access to money than whatever half of yours he's going to take, you're good. But I know that this is not for everyone. I know that most married women are not going to go down the lane of cheating. They're just going to take it lying down. And that's not even judgment. It's just, it is what it is. You made a decision where you bound yourself to a man because you felt fanny flutters. And this is why I just think that if you want to fall out of love, you kind of need to reverse engineer it from the beginning. Meaning that you need to pick someone who you can walk away from. 
not because they're revolting, not because not because you don't see value in them, not because you don't respect them, but it's about having a perspective where you can walk away from anything no matter how abundant it is because if you can attract him, you can attract 10 more of him elsewhere in the world. So this is why I'm big on not marrying men who you have more money than them because it means that when you fall out of love... I say when because men make themselves insufferable when they get too comfortable. And if they have a wife that's making more money than them, they usually become more insufferable. So when you fall out of love with that couch potato, what are you going to do? Because if he had more money than you and you fall out of love with him, off you go, babe. <laughs> like, what the hell? But I just think women lose a lot. Women lose a lot in love and... The sooner you develop a perspective where you understand that you're not going to die from separating from a man who you've convinced yourself to love, the sooner you'll find what it means to actually feel freedom. I think a lot of women have a visceral, carnal fear in them that if they separate from this one true love, then no one else is going to love them. And I just think that's just not true. It's not true. I just think another way to fall out of love is like, start asking that man, start asking that man for things that if you were to ask another man, the other man will say yes. And the man that you've bound yourself to is saying no. See how disgusting that makes you feel. Notice how dry your pussy feels. Pay attention to the uncomfortable, crispy feeling between your legs. When the man that you have bound yourself to says no to giving you cash. How does it sound when you can hear the walls of your pussy chafing with dryness? As you experience the complete opposite of arousal when a man says no to giving you cash and that man claims to be in love with you. Observe that feeling. Sit with that feeling. What comes to the surface as you realise that you are not turned on by a stingy man. And then think about scenarios where you have received cash and gifts and generosity from another man who's not your main man. Observe the wetness. Pay attention to how it feels when the gooch is slippery. Do you notice a sense of positivity, endearment, favour towards the man who does what you need him to do as opposed to the man who does not do what you need him to do allow those comparisons to inform your process of falling out of love with that loser <laughs> no because real talk guys come on come on come on wake up stop doing that you could, if you can fall in love, you can fall out of it. It's just a matter of thoughts become things, okay? The same thoughts you had became things like marriage or things like you being emotionally attached to this guy. So you can also have thoughts that become other things like thoughts of, I'm not dealing with men anymore if they're not benefiting my life. Thoughts of, if I can attach myself to this man, I can detach myself from this man because attachment is of the mind, Thoughts like that come from... 
I just, oh my God. I really do feel for women because we have good hearts and we just want to love people, but we have to learn to understand that not everyone deserves our love just because you want to give it. And that is the main lesson that I hope we take from conversations of this nature. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon.